0: Come on, Acts. Well, if you got a Bible, turn to the book of Acts, page 992. Come on. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. We're going to go to chapter 3. And this series has been all about how Jesus, right after he resurrected, he left the earth and he spoke to his disciples wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, you'll receive power, and you'll be my witnesses, and you'll preach the gospel, and you'll heal the sick, and you'll, you're going to turn the whole world upside down. And so we, we uh, started this series off a couple weeks ago, and we went through chapter one, chapter two, and at the end of chapter two, the disciples just started multiplying, like massive multiplication. I love that we serve a God who's into multiplying. He's into multiplication. Now, it felt backwards at first. In chapter one, they were losing people. Uh, Like Jesus appeared to 500, but only 120 showed up to pray and have church together. So they lost like, you know, 380 people in the very beginning first chapter. But what looks backwards is a catapult. This is a setup. And in chapter two, that 120 out of 500 that should have been meeting, 120 were showing up. And they're looking around. Where's everybody else at? And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit shows up. Come on, all you need is you and the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit touched that 120, Peter started preaching in Acts chapter 2, Man, the Holy Spirit hit Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, the church multiplied. It grew from 120 to 5,000-plus people in one day. The Lord started adding to the church daily. They started having food together, eating in homes, first Wednesdays, starting having a family meal and a candlelight dinner, and they start breaking bread, and they start going together to pray. Now, Jesus told his disciples, when you go out, go, go with another person. Go with two of you. Go together. So Peter and John in chapter 3 are walking. Peter and John are walking. This is a picture of the church right now, that Peter and John are heading to pray. How many are thankful to have brothers and sisters that will pray with you? Come on, this is, this is the joy of going to church. I just need Peter and John, just Ashley, let's go pray together. Let's go pray together. And I love that the first word in chapter three is now. Everybody say now. I want to title this message, Real Change, Real Change. Real change starts now. Now. It's what you do today. It's not what you're going to do. It's not what you did yesterday. It's what are you doing now. 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 We serve a now God. We serve a God who actually calls himself I am. Not I was. Not I will be. I am right now. An ever present help in time of need. I'm so thankful for a now God. A now God requires a now faith. If you're going to have real change, it starts with a now faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Y'all, we are sitting in a room of people who were living in a now moment who rose up with generosity and said, let's build a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Let's start a dream center. We're we're, we're in a season right now with the church that said, let's build a pool for kids in North Tulsa to learn how to swim and a splash pad. We're a now church. We're not a church who's building museums of past miracles. We're a church who's experiencing miracles right now. Somebody say now. So the church was walking right now. Now, Peter and John were now walking to the temple, and they were going to pray. By the way, we have prayer happening all week, every single day in our prayer room, but Wednesdays at noon, we're gathering to pray together. For anyone who wants to come and pray at noon, this Wednesday, join us in here, in this room, and we're just stirring up prayer for revival. Y'all, every revival is started by prayer. Every miracle starts with prayer. Real change starts with prayer. The disciples were praying in the upper room before miracles ever happen. It's it's when we take time to pray and seek God. So Peter and John, they knew, we've got to get to the temple and keep praying. God's adding to the church, but we're not content with what God has done. We are hungry for God to do more. Come on, the core always wants more. So they were praying. They were stirring themselves up. And I just imagine Peter and John just worshiping. Just where's, how many of y'all, anyone in the room go to the gym? Where's, where's the gym rats at? Where's the people go to the gym? And how many of you guys put on your headphones when you go to the gym? You put in, you put in your AirPods, right? I put these guys in and I'm going to put, these things are so hard to get out of the case, by the way. And then I, I, I put them in and man, I just get locked in when I go to the gym. How many of you guys just get locked in? You just put on, y'all listen to podcasts. Where's the podcasters at? Where's the worship playlist, the prison playlist? Come on, how many of y'all got a prison praise pray playlist? So I'll put it in. I'll be like, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Come on. yeah. I'll be like working out. I'll be going into church, got my headphones in. My kids will ask me questions. I'm like, what? Can't hear you. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. How many are so locked in you just can't hear anybody out there, right? And this is why it's important to take your headphones out when you're going to the temple because somebody's crying for help. If the church is so busy heading to church services that we're missing the people that are right outside the church, then we're missing the point of church because there's somebody who needs you to take your earbuds out or your AirPods, whatever you call them. And so here Peter and John, they're worshiping, they're praying, they're going to prayer. And watch this in verse 2. God's got an intersection. God has an interruption. God is in the business of interrupting Christians. Some Some of the greatest miracles that Jesus performed happened on the way to somewhere. On the way to Jerusalem. On the way to the temple. On the way, as Jesus was walking towards the Roman centurion's house, there was a woman who pressed through the crowd to reach the hem of his garment. Some of the greatest miracles in the gospels happened as interruptions. And this is why we've got to be awake. This is why the church has got to have our eyes open and our ears open to hear the cries of people at Quick Trip, at Walmart, in our businesses, in our campuses, in our universities, in our schools. On the way to church... That we're attentive. We're attentive to our kids' cries. We're attentive to our spouses' cries. We're attentive to the people around us that are saying, do you see me? Do you know that I need prayer on the way to your church service? Do you know that I need real change too? On the way to the temple, verse 2, it says a man was lame from birth. Lame from birth. In other words, this was something he was stuck with. He didn't even get to choose. It didn't even happen when he was outside of his mother's womb. It happened even right as he came out of his mother's womb, it was there. He couldn't use his legs. From his birth, he was stuck with this disability, and he was carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. And in verse three, when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them to give him a gift. He was asking for money, He was asking for a temporary fix. He was asking for change. He wanted quarters, nickels, dimes, dollars, whatever change they could give him, cheap change. But Peter and John knew what he really needed was real change. They knew that what he was asking for was not what he needed. I'm thankful for people in my life who know that what I'm asking for is not what I need. People who say, you're you're praying for this, and the truth is you don't want God to answer that prayer because God needs to answer a bigger prayer for you. I'm so thankful that God doesn't always meet my expectations because he wants to exceed them. He doesn't want to just give me a temporary fix. He doesn't want me to just, you know, have a meal. He wants me to learn how to have, he he wants me to learn to have a real change for the rest of my life. That's where Peter and John were at with this. And and Peter directed his gaze intently at him and he said, look at us. And watch this in verse 5. When the man fixed his attention towards them, he paid attention towards them expecting he was going to get something from them, and Peter said to him, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, walk. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today, God, about real change. I pray that we would leave this place with real change in our hearts, and our minds, and our marriages, and our families, God, in our current season of life, whatever people are facing today, here and online, I thank you, God, for real change to happen. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you so much. All right, let's get into this. Where does real change begin? Real change starts with me. Real change starts with me realizing that something needs to change in my life. You know, I was thinking about how this man was laid outside of a gate called Beautiful, And yet he was living a very ugly life that every day he was watching other people run, walk, pray, worship, walk into the temple. And yet here he is watching other people live in beauty while he looks at an ugly condition every single day. Stuck, not just lame and paralyzed, but stuck in a a place of begging to survive. Begging just to have enough money to pay for food for the rest of the day. Yesterday when we went to The Send in Kansas City, um, we drove up there and we got to the Arrowhead Stadium where the Chiefs play their football games. And we get out, you know, we're in the parking lot and they're, they're letting cars come through. And they said, where's your tickets? I was like, tickets? Ashley, where's our tickets? And she says, I don't know, Paul, where's our tickets? I was like, Liam, Benny, where's our tickets? <laughs> And they're like, we don't have tickets, you know? And it dawned on us, we didn't have like our tickets that we were supposed to have. And so we start talking to the parking lot lady and, you know, trying to figure out what we can do and what she can do. And after five minutes of of confusing conversation, she just said, just go in. And so we got into the parking lot. Then we were stuck outside of a beautiful gate. No kidding, it was like a really nice gate outside of Arrowhead Stadium. We got into the parking, but we couldn't get into the stadium. And I'm watching as people walk in, and I recognize some people. I was like, I know them, and they were like, Well, they have tickets. <laughs> and I was like, Can I, can I piggyback off? No, you have to have your own ticket. And I was like, Well, my app is not working. I'm, you know, I'm trying to use the app because all the tickets were digital, and I was like, It's not pulling it up, and. And, uh, and she was like, do you know anyone in there? I was like, yes, I know the guy who's putting this on. His name's Andy Bird. She was like, yeah, you don't know him. I was like, I have his number on my phone. You know, I'm trying to drop names, and she's like, whatever. And so we're trying to, I'm negotiating outside the gate, and I could see other people experiencing freedom. They're walking into the gate, and the songs of deliverance are playing. I can hear the songs in the background. Raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I'll raise a hallelujah. And it was awesome. For them. We were outside the gate, and our boys are just sweating. They're like, Dad, we should have got tickets to the send. And I was like, I'm trying, boys, you know, and I'm trying to figure it out. And Ash, we're all trying to figure it out. And finally, 25 minutes later, we get into the, 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 the stadium. We find our way in there. And the freedom that was in that place, the joy that was in that place, the hope that was in that place, But I imagine what it would be like to sit outside the gates every single day of a place that's singing, that's shouting. I wonder what it would be like to sit inside a place but still feel like you're an outsider, watching other people use legs that you can't use. Anyone who's ever had a disability or anyone in the room today with a disability, you know that feeling of other people getting to do something you don't get to do. I remember going to visit a friend in in prison, and, and he said, do you know how lucky you are? just to get to do whatever you want every single day. He said, when you live in prison, when you're incarcerated, you realize how, how, how precious freedom is. How precious life is outside these bars. How, how, how amazing it is to get to wake up every single day and choose what meal you're gonna have and choose to get a job and work. And I imagine people who are in, in a disability, just that, that feeling of watching other people use their limbs, their legs, Have you ever been stuck in a place that was just difficult for your life while other people got to move forward? You ever been stuck somewhere that you didn't want to be? Stuck in a condition that you didn't want to be in? Yeah, and I imagine this guy, it's not like he woke up and, and wanted this condition. He was stuck with it. He was stuck in a condition while everyone else was getting to use something that he wanted to use. He wanted legs. He wanted to use his legs. And I felt like the Lord was speaking to me in this chapter that the church has been hit with a paralyzing spirit. That this man who's lame outside the temple represents so many people in the church who've lost their ability to run. They've lost their ability to walk. They've gotten stuck at the gate, stuck in a spiritual, paralyzed state. But today, in the name of Jesus, you're about to get your legs back. You're about to get your walking back. This was a setup. It says that from birth he was in this condition. David said when he was praying his repentant prayer in Psalm 51, verse 5, he says, Since my birth, I have been stuck in iniquity. I was brought forth in sin. Romans chapter 3 says we were born into sin. That sin was part of, that no one in the entire world is sinless. That all of us have sinned. In fact, when our kids were born, they were born into sin. And I didn't even have to teach my kids sin. Like, they just rebel. And our, we have babies that just rebel. Like, we tell them not to do something, and they just go to do it. Come on, how many of y'all have babies that are just rebellious? And the rest of y'all that aren't raising your hands, you know your baby. You used to be a rebellious baby. You were a sinful baby. You, don't, you were like, no, I'm a, I was an angel baby, Paul. I never sinned. All of these sinning babies over here, not me. But the truth is, all of us were born with some sort of sinful dysfunction. All of us were lame from birth spiritually. None of us saved ourselves. None of us gave ourselves the ability to walk spiritually. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot do what God's called us to do. Real change starts with admitting, I need a Savior, and I can't save myself. I can't change myself. I can't put myself through programs that are going to change me without the power of the Holy Spirit. I need a real change that starts with surrender, that starts with recognizing, I need Jesus. So here he is, he's stuck there every day and he's asking for temporary fixes. He's asking people for money and every day people walk past him. Some of us in this room, we are Peter and John. We are the ones that God has sent to go and lift up this beggar, this person who's hurting in our lives. You don't realize that this week you're gonna have an opportunity to minister to someone who's hurting, who's begging, who's lame. God has sent you on divine assignment even to church today. That God would, would cross paths with someone who needs what you have. The world has problems and we have answers. But for some of us in this room, we are the lame man. And spiritually, we are hurting. We are sitting outside the temple or maybe even inside the temple. And we're saying, I need healing. I have been hurt. I have been broken ever since I was little. I have been steeped in sin. I've had generational curses that I've just grown up with. My daddy did it, my granddaddy did it, my mom did it. I've just been born into this family of dysfunction and I've never been able to break free. I've never been able to do what some of these other people can do. I can't walk like they walk. I can't live in the freedom they live in and, and we find ourselves searching and wondering, does anyone see me and is anyone going to help me? So here he is, he's begging people, anyone, just for temporary fixes. And I wonder what, for some of you, has, has caused you to be lame. For some of us, it is sin. For some of us, it's, it's shame. For some of us, it is a, a not, and I'm not just talking about spiritually lame. For some of you, you're in a physical state right now, and you need God to heal you. And I believe he's not just healing people spiritually. He's going to heal people physically. Because God is the healer. And it is his will to heal. To heal emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and physically. For some of you, you've been stuck in a depressed state. You've been lame in your mind. You haven't been able to move forward. You've been in this place of just feeling overwhelmed, anxious, afraid, concerned, worried. And today God's wanting to set you free. For some, we've been distracted. We've been depleted. We've been so discouraged. We've just kind of come to the place of, I just need to survive. If I can just get carried every single day... If other people can just carry me, if other people can just pay my bills, if other people just give me something, if I can just survive another day. God did not create us to survive. He created us to thrive. He did not create us to just sit outside the temple and go, if I can just live another week, if I can just get one more sermon to get me through this week. No, you need a life change. You need a transformation in your heart, not just another Sunday sermon. You need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. You need a change that's going to last beyond just Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Not just a temporary high, but a real change. You don't change until you become desperate to change. I remember watching this movie. It was a true story about a guy named Aaron Ralston. And uh, he was a mountain, mountain climber and backpacker. And he was hiking through Utah. And he was going through these slot canyons when all of a sudden he fell down a slot canyon got stuck Between a rock and a hard place, and his his arm was literally trapped between a boulder and the rock. The movie was called 127 Hours because he was stuck for 127 hours. He could not unstuck, he couldn't get his arm unstuck from, from the rocks. And he starts screaming, shouting, Anybody, someone help me, help me, I'm stuck, I'm dying. Isn't that the cry that's happening in the church for some people right now? You can't hear it out here but when your spirit is in tune you walk past someone and go something's off that person's hurting that person needs prayer this is why we got to get our AirPods out out be in tune with the holy spirit because people were walking past this beggar every single day and no one stopped to pray for him until peter and john they spoke to the root issue not just the surface level issue not just here's some money but let's deal with something that's going to be permanent Something that's gonna change you forever. So Aaron Ralston is stuck and he gets so desperate. By the way, real change happens when you get so to a place of urgency. When you go, if I don't change, I'm going to lose my life. I'm going to lose everything. When you get that desperate, that's when you get to a place of real change that can happen. He took out his pocket knife that was dull and he began to cut off his arm. Because he said, I would rather lose my arm than lose my life. He crawled out of that canyon with one arm, leaving behind the other arm that was stuck in the rock that he could never get out. He cut it off with a dull pocket knife and... Uh Today, he does motivational speeches in high schools and colleges and says, nothing changes until you get desperate enough to leave behind the crap that's been keeping you in a stuck place. It's time to cut it off. Cut off the addictions. Cut off the bondages. Cut off the strongholds. Some of us are upset that I just said crap. But here's the real change that's going to happen. When you get tired of doing the same thing over and over and over, being stuck, See, God wants his church to rise up out of paralyzation. He wants his church to rise up out of that slot canyon where we've gotten stuck in certain ways. And he's saying it's time for the church to move in authority and power. So here this man is stuck in this place every single day begging for money. When he sees Peter and John about to enter, he asks them for money. He sees them, and Peter looks them straight in the eye. Thank God for people who look you straight in the eye. Because it's not enough to just say, God bless you. It's to look him in the eyes and say, I see you. I see what's going on in your world. At the Dream Center, we always say, see a need and meet it. See a hurt and heal it. But before you can see a need, you got to see a person. Everyone saw this man through his problem, his disability. He was known for his condition. He's the beggar, the lame beggar. But Peter and John saw the potential that was inside them. Thank God for Peter and John's in the church who see the potential in us, who prophetically speak to where we're headed, not where we're at, not where we've been, but what God wants to do in our future. So Peter looks him in the eye. He makes eye contact with him. He sees the human Not the condition, not the disability, not the problem. He sees that he is a child of God. He's a candidate for a miracle. Turn to someone next to you and say, you're a candidate for a miracle. God sees you. God hears you. I'm so thankful God doesn't have AirPods in. He's listening to the cries of his sons and daughters. And he's lining you up. It's a setup this week. Someone needs to see you. Someone needs you to see them. He looked at them and they looked back at him. And something exchanged, I think, right here. Even before Peter said something, this man, it was like he was seen. When you feel seen, you almost feel vulnerable when you're seen. When someone really looks you in the eyes, it's, it's, it, it's almost like, whoa, they're looking at me. You know what I'm saying? I remember when I was in youth group. And um, one Wednesday night, I was 12 years old. I went to youth group that night. I was wearing a Raiders hoodie, Antonio. When, when Y'all remember when Raiders used to be in Oakland? I had an Oakland Raiders hoodie. Um, now the Raiders are in Vegas, aren't they? Or, or LA? LA, okay. Vegas, Vegas. We're all trying to figure it out right now. <laughs> so I'm wearing this Oakland hoodie. and uh, And someone comes to youth group that night, and it's like, and they said, hey, uh, big service is still going on. That's what we call adults, big service. They're like, big service is still happening in the gym at 7700 South Lewis. And they said, "Um, your parents want you to come over there. I was like, but I'm having fun at youth group. You know, I'm enjoying hanging out. And they were like, they told us to come and get you and bring you over there. I was like, why? And they were like, there's a prophet in town. And I was like, oh, no. He's going to call out my sin, you know, because I was 12 years old. I was dealing with 12-year-old boys deal with, and I was like, no, I'm not going to the prophet. And they were like, no, the prophet, Tim's story. He's preaching. He's prophesying. And uh, I was like, oh, my goodness. And I was trapped, right? So they take me, and they bring me over to big service, and they were like, your dad wants you on the front row. I was like, no way I'm going on the front row when the prophet's in town because when the prophet sees whoever's on the front row, they just they know what sin you're dealing with. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, I'm sitting in the back. I'm standing in the very back. And so I got my head down, pulled my hoodie a little bit over my face. And sure enough, he goes, hey, you in the Raiders hoodie back there. And my heart starts beating. I felt like I was gonna die right when he said it. And I thought lightning was coming through the building. And he tells me to come up to the stage, doesn't know that I'm Billy Joe Darty's son, but man, I walk up there. And this is when... For anyone who desires to move in the prophetic, the prophetic realm is never meant to bring condemnation. I think this is why people are afraid of the prophetic realm, because it's been abused. It's been manipulated. It's, it's been used to bring just harsh damage to people. But real prophetic words bring life and hope. They call forth what God wants to do. They might have a warning connected to them, but they always have a spirit of hope. It, like, a spirit, like when Jesus gets a hold of someone, he says, I want to do something fresh in your life. It's going to require repentance. It's going to require humility. And, and yet at the same time, it's going to bring refreshing. By the way, this is what Peter preaches in Acts 3 out of this miracle. He preaches about repentance and refreshing connected to what God does in this man's life. So Tim's story starts prophesying, and he says, I don't know who you are, but he looks me in the eyes, and right when he looked me in the eyes, I just start bawling. I close my eyes, and he goes, open your eyes. And I was like, no, you're gonna see it all. You're gonna know everything. You're gonna see what I've seen, you know? And he goes, open your eyes. I open my eyes, and he just starts prophesying. He goes, God loves you. God sees you. God is for you. God has greater things than you've ever seen. Your generation's going to be impacted by your obedience, and he starts calling this out, and man, I just fell to my knees, and real change happened. Real change happens when we start calling forth potential out of young boys and young girls. By the way, this generation needs it more than ever for you to speak life into them. This last week I was looking at Liam, our eight-year-old, and I said, Liam, you are a mighty man of God. And he kind of put his head down. He's like, no, and I go, stop, yes you are. You're a mighty man of God. he goes, what about me? I said, you are too. The Lord is working in you, in Jesus' name. And you know, Mac is like, what about me? I was like, we're gonna, we're gonna get you saved this year, in Jesus' name. No, everyone, they're all mighty men of God. But you know, we got to speak it out. Peter looks them in the eyes and he says, I don't have what you're asking for. But I have what you're not asking for. You've been asking for something out of a place of disappointment with God, you've been hurt by the church, you've been ignored you've experienced disappointment in the temple. You've gone to the temple, you've been laid at the temple every day of your life, and you used to pray that you'd get your legs back, that you'd get your healing, that you'd start walking again. And then you started getting ignored, and then your prayers didn't get answered. And and over time, you settled for survival. You settled just to, to show up. Your parents kept bringing you to this place because they knew there was something powerful about this place. I'm so thankful that parents keep bringing their kids to church knowing that sometime, someday, transformation will happen. Life is gonna happen. Change is gonna happen. Keep bringing them to the temple. And Peter said, you're asking for something I don't have, but I do have something that you used to ask for. I do have the thing that's gonna change you for good. It's gonna be a crazy transition because you've gotten used to not walking. You've never had to go find a job you've never lived a life where you've walked around and ran around, it's gonna feel uncomfortable at first. Real change is uncomfortable. Real change doesn't automatically, instantly make you happy. It might even be a little awkward at first. It might feel a little uncomfortable, but you would rather live in the uncomfortable zone of real change than stay comfortable in dysfunctional sins of cycles of generational poverty. It's gonna break you free. It's gonna open your mind up to an abundant mindset, but it's gonna require some discomfort at first. So he looks him in the eyes and he says, what I do have. I want to give you three points real quick. Start where you are for real change to happen. Number one, start where you are. Number two, use what you have. Use what you have. Stop acting like you don't have something to use. You do have something. Peter and John said, I don't have money. Just because you don't have money doesn't mean you don't have anything you have time, you have talent, you have energy, you have gifts, you have breath in your lungs, you have something to use. You've got something to give to this world. You, God did not create us to be consumers. I just give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. No, God says, contribute. Use what you've got. Use your voice. If you can sing, join the choir. If you can play the guitar, start, start volunteering in children's church. Start worshiping. If you've got a voice, witness to someone at Quick Trip. Pray for somebody. I don't have silver and gold, but I do have a voice. I do have influence. I do have the name of Jesus. And so Peter and John, they look at him. I want the band to come out. They said, silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, I give to you. So number one, start where you are. Number two, use what you got. Number three, work with who's right in front of you. Work with who's right in front of you. Sometimes we're waiting on a missions trip for an audience And God says, there is someone right in front of you. Work with who's right in front of you. Someone right in front of you needs what you have. Work with that person who's right in front of you. Stop worrying about who's not there, who left. Stop worrying about when you're going to have an audience, about who followed you and who unfollowed you. You have somebody who needs what you've got right now. There's a teenager that needs your affirmation. There's a husband that needs your love. There's a wife who needs what you have. There is somebody who needs you to start using what's inside you. And when we become so self-focused, we stop using what God's given us. And we stop seeing the people that God's called us to minister to right now, today. Start where you are. Use what you got. Work with who's right in front of you. Peter and John did this today. I have the name of Jesus. And he says, I speak to you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Now, it would be one thing if Peter and John just declared it, but they demonstrated with action. And he reached out and he lifted up that man. This is what Tim does every week at the Dream Center. He doesn't just give someone a handout. He gives people a hand up. And he says, rise up and walk. And he walks alongside people and says, come to the Dream Center. I'm going to mentor you. You're going to get plugged in here. We're going to help you get up on your feet again. We're going to not just help you. We're going to help your kids. We're going to help them at the fourth grade level. We're going to cut off the pipeline from third grade to the prison, and we're going to give education. And we're going to not just feed a meal for a day. We're going to teach you how to cook, teach you how to fish. And we're going to teach you how to start a business. We're going to give you computer skills, technology skills. We're not just going to give a pool. We're going to have a lifeguard who teaches swim lessons every single week. We're going to change a generation. Real change says, I'm not just going to say, hope you feel better. I'm lifting you up and I'm walking with you into the temple. Peter and John walked with them. Look at this in verse 7. He took a hold of the man's hand with a firm grip. Look at that, verse 7. That is so powerful. It's time for the church to take a firm grip on those people who are lame right next to us. And at once, his feet, his ankle bones. Ezekiel 37, the prophecy of Ezekiel said, in the valley of dry bones, I speak to the bones. And the bones begin to rattle, rattle. I hear the bones of the church rattling. God's saying it's time for the lame church to walk again. It's time for the paralyzed saints to get their feet back again. It's time for those who've been hurt by the church to get healed by the church. And to get back in the church and start changing lives every single week. I love that Peter and John didn't leave this man down. It wasn't just a Sunday sermon. They said, we're going to be with you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Come to men's discipleship class. Then we want you to volunteer in our intramural sports on Thursday nights at the Dream Center. And this summer, we want you to be a camp counselor at Camp Victory. you got to go through the growth track because we're going to get you really connected. We want you to start a connect group, and we want you to change your business. We want God to get involved in your marriage and your family. We want God to change your whole life because real change starts right here. And the man began leaping as he stood and he began to walk. Thank you, Tim. He began to walk. I circled that word began because it was a process. It was the beginning. Never despise the day of small beginnings, church. Don't despise the day that your husband at least showed up to the discipleship course. At least your son came back to church today. At least you got all four kids in children's church. They may not all be saved yet, but you got them here. They're beginning to walk. Would you stand to your feet, church? Come on, you're getting your legs back. You're getting your walking back. You're getting the Holy Spirit filled up in you. He began walking. He began praising God. When your praise gets louder than your pain, the whole town starts to notice. Jesus We've spent enough time being loud, complaining about our pain, complaining about murmuring and complaining about our problems and our paralyzed state. This man said, I got to get louder with my praise than I was with my pain. I want the town to know where I used to shout begging for, for change, for cheap change. Now I'm shouting, celebrating the real change that Jesus has done in me. He changed my body. He changed my mind. He changed my life, and he was right on time. See, this man had a shout, he had a praise. It's time for the church to get loud in our worship. We've gotta get louder in our worship than the world is with the worry. We've gotta get louder in our praise than the world is with pain. This man, as he began to shout his testimony, the whole temple, everyone in town, they said, we know this guy. He's the guy with the disability. He's the guy with the problem. He was known by his diagnosis. But now he was known for his testimony. God's going to turn your test into a testimony. Your mess is going to become your message. That's the marriage that was supposed to lose, and and yet God restored it. That's the family that was supposed to be broken apart, and God has them all back together again. That's the guy that that was addicted, and now he's leading discipleship class. That's the girl who was cutting herself. She was supposed to commit suicide, and now she's rescuing girls in Tulsa. She started a girl's home. That was the kid who grew up with an abusive father. And now he's taking kids in and he's teaching them the love of God. You see, the enemy always tries to keep us stuck in what happened to us. Stuck in the family we were, stuck in the dysfunction. And Peter and John said, church, rise up and walk. You've got a testimony to share. And watch this in in, in verse 11. Peter turns this into a testimony. The man was clinging to Peter and John as if he was a god, as if Peter and John were the gods, the source of power, in amazement. In verse 12, Peter says this. He says, you men of Israel, why are you so surprised and wondering about this miracle? In other words, more miracles are about to happen because the works that Jesus did, you're going to do even greater. Why do you keep staring at us as if this was our power? We are not God's. This was not our power. We are, we are only men. We didn't cause this man to walk. Let me tell you who the real power comes from. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of families that were broken and messed up. The God who was was there for Jacob. The God who was there for Isaac. The God of our forefathers. He has glorified his servant, Jesus Christ. The power is in Jesus. 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 And then Peter says, you crucified him. You nailed him to a cross. You thought it was over, but God raised him from the dead. The power comes from his resurrection. Church, we have resurrection power. Resurrection power. And Peter says this. I love what he says in verse, I want to go to verse 15. Verse 15. No, verse Verse 16. Verse 16, sorry. He says, and his name through and by faith in his name has made this man whom you see and recognize well and strong. Yes, the faith. The faith. Y'all, we don't have faith in ourselves. We don't have faith in President Biden. We don't have faith in the United States of America. We don't have faith in the Supreme Court. We don't have faith. Our faith is in Jesus Christ who changes our lives. He changes our nation. He's given this man perfect soundness. That man was not only healed, he was healed from the inside out. He was changed for good. I want to go to the verse that talks about the repentance that brings refreshing, because this is the powerful part. Verse 19, verse 19 in chapter 3, he says, so repent, and at first we go, what does that mean? To shout out your sins? No. It means an internal recognition that I'm ready to change. I'm ready to go the opposite direction of the direction I was going. Change your mind, change your purpose, repent, he says, turn around. Return towards God's will. Return towards God's heart that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean, and times of refreshing. God wants to bring times of refreshing to his church, recovering the effects of the heat, reviving with fresh wind that it may come with the presence of God. Y'all, there's about to be a time of refreshing that's going to hit the church in 2022. As we turn towards God and say, God, we need you, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear their prayers and I will heal their land. Times of refreshing will come. Would you just close your eyes all over this place if you're here today and you just need a fresh, a refreshing, a touch from heaven. Maybe the enemy has tried to strike you. Maybe you feel like the enemy has tried to steal from you. Maybe in some places you feel lame. You feel like you've been knocked down, like your feet have just been knocked out. You feel like maybe you're stuck. God's saying, I want to get you unstuck today. I want to speak to the potential inside you. I want to lift your legs up again. I want you to start running again. I want you to start leaping again. I want to give you a testimony on the other side of the test that you've been walking through. If that's you today, I want you to raise your hand all over this room. You just need that healing touch of God in your heart, your mind, your life. You need him to give you your legs back, to get unstuck spiritually right now. Secondly, you're here in this room and you go, Paul, I feel like I've been walking past people. And I've missed that opportunity to show compassion. I've missed that opportunity to show the healing power of God. I want to start walking in that authority, that boldness that Peter and John had. I want to take my AirPods out and recognize there's people in our city, there's people all around me that need compassion. They need healing power. And I want to start being activated by the Holy Spirit to walk by faith, to walk in compassion. Just lift your hand up today. I'm praying for believers that this week you're going to have divine interruptions from heaven and you're going to see miracles happen in and through your life. If you raised your hand or you need prayer, just leave your seat. Come and join me at this altar right here, right now. We're just going to worship and I believe today is a day of healing. If you need physical healing, come find a place at this altar. If you need God to touch a part of your body, your mind, your life, if you need deliverance, come to this altar. Today is a day of freedom. Today is a day. You are in the gate. God has opened the doors. You have a ticket to come in. So God says, come in and find healing. Come in and find mercy. Come in and find your breakthrough. Come in and find your healing in Jesus' name.
1: We're rising up. We're taking ground. Releasing a solid freedom reign Strongholds are breaking. Demons are shaking. Out the sound of your name.
0: Miracles in the body. Miracles in the, the mind. Real change in the heart.
1: Up. Freedom from addiction. Freedom from ground. depression. Three addictions, you gotta go. Freedom in the mind, freedom in the heart, healing in Jesus' name. Releasing the Your name. He's healing the brokenhearted. He's healing the broken heart.
0: Church, let faith rise up. Let
1: faith rise, rise up.
0: Pray right now for every person in this room, God, that just needs to get their praise back. They need to get their song back. They've walked through heaviness. They've walked through a garment of heaviness, but today you're giving them a garment of praise. They've walked through tests. They've walked through trials. They've walked through pain. But today, God, you're giving them a praise that's louder than their pain. God, you're giving them a song, a healing testimony. Just like you healed this man, God, I thank you, Lord, You're healing hearts, healing bodies, healing minds, healing marriages. God, I pray for real change. I pray, God, that today is a day where we are cutting off the old, everything that's held us back, every sin, every entanglement that slowed us down. God, I thank you today. We're fixing our eyes on you. We're finding hope in you. We're finding healing in you. Times of refreshing are about to fall. Lord, I thank you, God, that you are the way maker. You're the miracle worker. You're the promise keeper, God. You're the light in the darkness. Even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't feel it, you're working. God, you're making all things new. And I speak, God, over every person who feels stuck in a condition. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Lord, we break off every demonic Bondage that has been on someone's heart, on their mind. Satan, we rebuke you, and we speak in the name of Jesus. Healing, freedom, deliverance of minds and hearts. I just had this vision this week as PGA um, golf tournament, and we've opened our parking lot for a lot of the PGA people to come and drive over here. And I, I was praying as I was driving up here, and I feel like the Lord is going to draw in people who have not gone to church in decades who think they're going to a golf tournament to see Tiger Woods. But as they pull on this parking lot, I sense God's gonna use this space to bring in some people who are lame. Now, they might look rich on the outside, but they're lame on the inside. They're hurting on the inside. Their marriages are hurting. Their minds are hurting. Some of the wealthiest people in the world are dealing with some of the darkest demons in their minds and hearts. And I believe as they come on this campus, God's going to draw their hearts and minds to a real power. I'm telling you, the world has, they've drank every spirit they can find at the liquor and spirit store. But they're about to find a fresh spirit, a spirit of refreshing and recovery. God's going to draw people from the north, south, east, and west. This is a setup this week. It's a setup for you. Some of you are going to walk past people this week that might be in town for this tournament, or may, maybe they're at your job. Maybe they're at Walmart, Quick Trip, Whole Foods, Reese's, wherever you go. And you're gonna walk past people and you're gonna just feel, you know what? I need to encourage that person. I just need to speak life. Hey, your best days are right in front of you. Why do you say that? Because you've got victory through Jesus Christ. How do I know? Let me pray for you right now. I'm telling you our world needs a, 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 a language of victory right now. Our world needs what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life today. Lord, I just pray that we would be filled up this week to pour it out. God, that we would help connect people who are hurting right now with real change, and it starts with us. So, God, I pray in our lives, God, that you would start that fresh revival, that real change. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I surrender. I want your will, your way. Holy Spirit, I repent. I receive your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, for changing me. From the inside out, and I'll give you praise. I'll share my testimony and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, Victory.